and welcome to Blades Pod. It is Thursday, the 7th of October. My name is Ben. I am joined, as always, by Andrew. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. We've not we lost for a couple of days. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't, have we? It's not, it's not been that long since we did a podcast. I think we did one last Wednesday, don't we? But, uh, I think that's right, yeah, just after the middle, uh, yeah, Middlesbrough game, isn't it? Yeah. That's right, yeah. But we had to, we had to push this one back uh, into this week a little bit further than intended for, for various reasons. But um, I'm, I'm glad to be here now to talk about the mm. Blades. The last time we spoke, we just lost to Middlesbrough. Uh, since then, we have lost another game at Bournemouth, which we're going to talk about. Oh, big, big intake of breath there. That was, yeah. Does that still pain you, that, that loss? Um, I'm not only when I was proper marder, especially at the <laughs> time of the game. I had an argument with a couple of people online who were probably right to be fair, what they were saying. And uh, I was just like, the referee has ruined the game. <laughs> <laughs> I kicked a door. I actually kicked my, my door. I did. Like When, when it went to a 2-1, I just booted my door because I was like, you've cheated us. Wow. <laughs> All that warning. <laughs> how, is, how is the door and your foot? Yeah, it weren't that. It weren't that much of a good kick. It was one of those sort of kicks where you think, where you, you the the meaning's there, but you think this could cause a lot of damage. So I'm so, just going to hold back. I'm not going to kick it full on. Do you know what I mean? When you're halfway through, this is a bad idea. It was but, a performative kick. For, yeah, more of a display of anger. Yeah. Was there anyone to witness? It was your dog in the room. No, no, it was just me, <laughs> just me on my own. I think I might have texted a couple of people. Just kick the door. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> That's not not what I expected to <laughs> pop up on this. Um, so we are going to talk about the Bournemouth game, but we're also going to do a sort of bigger picture view on the season so far. This is after 11 games, we sit rather, well, I say unpleasantly in 14th position, but as, as I'm sure we will come on to discuss, uh, that, that does represent some improvement from the previous, uh, I guess the previous taking stock point, the previous international break. Uh, three wins, three draws, five defeats already, scored 14, conceded 16. Um, so, yeah, I want to do a bigger picture of, of where we are so far in this season, where we think, like, uh, how has our opinion changed? I, I suppose, actually, the, the theme of this episode will be how has our opinion changed? Because we are going to talk generally about the, the state of, uh, I guess, where United are heading, and then we're going to drill into um, a few individual players I suppose in the second half of this in a sort of whose stock has gone up the most and whose stock has gone down the most in these mm-hmm. 11 games so that's that's where we're going in this episode so let's talk big picture season so far played 11 games what is your I guess your your quick summary of, of where your your head is at after 11 games of this championship season taking into account I guess um, how you felt before a ball was kicked? Uh, I am disappointed. I think I'm sort of coming around to the. <clears throat> I don't want to write the season off because I think any, I think it's. I still think it's a poor league. I think anyone who goes on a good run can get into the playoffs. I am coming round to the possible realization that it's probably going to be a transitional season. This, to be fair, I think we're going to see a lot of couple of wins, couple of losses, draw, loss, win, loss. That's how it's going to go. The 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 one obviously positive is that. Jukanovic has got history for slow starts and fantastic finishes. So there's obviously always that hope. I do think we're miles better than we're from the first game of the season. I think even in the last two losses, we just look a, a far better side. I just think there's too many weaknesses to realistically, confidently say, yeah, I think we're going to get top six. So it is disappointing because I predicted four. So I can't rewrite what I actually thought. 
I'm hoping by the end of the season, I'm proper gearing up for next season, thinking, right, we've, we've got it cracked now. Mm. Uh, I'll, mental note, we'll come back to what you, you said there about weaknesses, because um, mm. I'm, I'm curious to know what your, your main issues are there. Um, the team. <laughs> the whole team, yeah. I'm, uh, I think I'm in a strange place when I sort of sat down to think about this. Because I was I was optimistic going into the season. I mean, I was sort of what's the what's the best way of putting this? I was kind of like willfully optimistic. I was like, yeah. "Come on, football's supposed to be fun. Let's let's yeah. you know let's be upbeat about this. These players have done it in the championship before. Let's get excited." So yeah, I think we both said fourth, didn't we, as our prediction? Mm. So I was optimistic. Then that took a pretty sharp nosedive after five games because we were dreadful for five games, uh, and now I'm cautiously optimistic again. Um, I think, you know, if you split the season in, that we've played so far, if you split into two, separated by the two international breaks, which is it's not an arbitrary divide because it coincides with the end of the transfer window and the yeah. arrival of some new players and also no more departures if you look at, you know, Ramsdale being sold on the eve before, you know, the one game we probably needed to settle goalkeeper's situation with, uh, yeah. with West Brom. Then, um, you know, I, I think that if you split it like that, then you can say, well, we have progressed really nicely in the last six games i think i think if you if you flipped those two halves around and if so if we'd started the season well mm. and then nosedived i'd i probably would be like we have to write this season off like we're, we're treading water yeah. but as it is the last six games we've we've been we've unquestionably played better we unquestionably have some better players than we did in those first five games started scoring goals and we do look like we're closer to finding our best team as well mm. so I am cautiously optimistic. 14th is not great. Fourth looks a long way off. I'll say that much. And we're definitely not there yet, are we? I mean, as it, as it stands, I have a hard time seeing us finishing much above mid-table. Mm. Um, I think, as you kind of said there, we've improved to the extent where we will we will give a lot of teams a good game, but we're not yeah. we're not yeah. good enough to consistently win yet, I don't think. That's it. Before the Maybe Vincent's- that'll come. Before the international break, I, it got to the point where you're thinking, well, you know, we've lost to Huddersfield at home. We've drawn with Luton, who, to be fair, are not a bad side. But, you know, we'd obviously lost at home to Birmingham, got absolutely battered by way. You're thinking, well, who are we going to be? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, and I think, obviously, people look at the games that we've won and say they were poor sides, which they were. But in particular, Peterborough and Hull, we pretty much destroyed them, I thought, going forward. We did make it hard for ourselves at Hull to a degree where we let that goal and there were a bit of panic, but realistically, we were far, by far the better side. You, you can't really ask for more than what we got against those two sides. And even Derby, we dominated the play. I know they had 10 men and stuff, but we are far better than we were. It's just, like I said, that I don't, as you've just pointed out, really, I don't think we're consistent enough to... We could probably beat anybody, to be honest, in the league, as we saw at Bournemouth, where we possibly should have won that game. But... We can also throw away goals and leads and whatever, just you know, with a flick of a finger. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my optimism comes from the idea that you can iron out some of those things. And mm-hmm. yeah, if, if we just weren't creating chances at all, I would be like, this is we're in trouble here. Like, you know, we, we yeah, just... just like people said, and I, I think. Uh... It's it, what's really frustrating at the moment is that it seems like we have to work really hard to create a good chance. I don't know if you agree with this. We sort of get into really good areas, but to have actually have a proper chance, like a shot on target or something that goes close, we seem to have to work a perfect area where opposition teams just seem to have to hoof it in the box <laughs> and a flick on, and and that's it. They're like you know the the, the throw on goal or having a proper chance, 
I think we are creating more. I think that final ball is still a problem. But that again, that is something that I think you can improve on. We're definitely getting into better areas. Like you look at what, the Bournemouth game. I thought we were a better side, but we had one shot on target, which was the goal. Mm. And that makes it look like, well, you know, Bournemouth. But we know, obviously, watching the game, we got into some amazing areas. You know, we missed proper sitters and yeah. and talking like Moose and uh, Billy Sharp in the first half and. Yeah, I think that sort of conviction in the final third is something that you'd hope would come. Yeah, I think our finishing has been a bit of a weakness, actually. Like, which, which sounds odd when you know for five games we barely had a sort of meaningful shot on yeah. goal. But yeah, I think we. I think I wrote this down. Um, yeah, we're only so we're actually uh, top five in the league for overall shots, but we're f- yeah. only f- we're fourteenth for shots on target per game. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'd have guessed at around that area. To be fair, yeah, yeah. So and that, that's total. So we're, we're shooting a lot, but our accuracy is well, is it's, it's literally average. So mm. yeah, that's not ideal. Um, so I mean, those weaknesses you mentioned. What what, do you, what are the glaring weaknesses that you think are holding us back? And this could be. Uh, without straying into the second half of the podcast, I suppose this could mm. be uh, talking individuals, or I don't know the the way that we set up, or you know the system. I, I personally think that we've got a couple of glaring weaknesses: is that we can't keep a clean sheet. A, a lot of people have pinned that on the, the centre halves, and I don't think either Egan or Davis have been commanding enough. I've still got hope that they will once they play more games together they'll get a proper partnership there and stuff probably there isn't a, a Chris Morgan type in there to, to deal with the long balls I know Egan is decent in the air but I still don't class him as a as a Chris Morgan type who's just going to put his head in and sort of win all the win all the uh, long balls that are coming in but for me the main area is the midfield particularly the two in front of the defence um, because at this particular moment in time I'm not sure what they're offering I don't I don't think they offer anything going forward in terms of a goal threat. Flex got a goal, to be fair, so maybe that's harsh. And he did play well against Hull. But against the better sides, they don't help out defensively and they're not helping out offensively either. Mm. And I think against teams who are decent, like Bournemouth, Middlesbrough, a decent side, those that that area, that two midfielder, whether it's Norwood and Fleck or whoever plays in there, it just seems to get overrun so easily, which I think that's a major reason to why we concede chances so easily and also don't get enough shots off ourselves or enough decent shots off ourselves because they're not goal-scoring midfielders. Yeah, it does feel like that's... I think probably ultimately that's what's going to hold us back this season, isn't it? Even though yeah, we have... Yeah, if you put, for instance, two... I don't know, Billing at Bournemouth and, I don't know, um, Sawyers or whatever, uh, West Brom, at the top of my head... In, in, into those two defensive midfielder positions, I think you look far better. Yeah, the uh, the absence of Sanderberg is uh, frustrating because um... really frustrating actually. Yeah, because I think he's played ten games in the last forty or something like that. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, he, please tell me he's not gone to Norway for or not gone away with the Norway squad. Do you know what? I am absolutely no idea. If you just carry on talking, I'll have a quick look at that. Right. Um, yeah, because he obviously had that hamstring injury. He came back for the Preston game. Sat, got it, it aggravated, I guess. In the, it was all set to start at Hull four days later. So, mm-hmm. you know, you would think he was up to full fitness then, but then aggravated it was, you know, basically pulled from the team, and then has missed the next two games as well. Um, and yeah, so I thought he started the season well. I know he's not, uh, you know, he, he's not as physical as, as Billing, for example, that you mentioned. But 
I think he definitely helps us having him as an option in midfield. Yeah, if he's yeah. going to be out for a period of time, then yeah, that does that does get problematic. I think for me, the main weakness is the defense has just got to improve significantly in all phases if we're going to get up to the league. Basically, mm. um, only three teams have conceded more than our sixteen goals. We are bottom half for open play XG against, bottom half for set play XG against. Although a weird quirk, I think I said this the other day, we've allowed the joint lowest amount of shots from set pieces in the whole league. Uh, joint- bizarre that, yeah. I, I've, I've seen that myself. I don't know if you told it me actually, but yeah, that that I, that is bizarre, isn't it, when you think about <laughs> So we hardly ever concede a chance from set pieces, but I think we've conceded three or four goals from them. So I think actually that sort of is a microcosm of what you were saying. Let me just check that expected goal. Sanderberg is not in the squad, by the way, okay. if I'm reading this right, according to the UEFA website anyway. Praise the Lord. So we, we allow the lowest amount of shots from set pieces, but we've conceded, what is this? We're like top 10 for goals conceded from set pieces. And that, I think just to return to something you mentioned a, a moment ago, that I think that kind of is a microcosm of it, of teams not having to work particularly hard to score against us. I mean, mm. I, I shared something from um, uh, Benjamin Mayhew, who's a very good, uh, interesting statistician. I shared it on Twitter earlier. He does um, Experimental 361 website. And mm. it, sort of, it does these kind of like scatter graphs of how to like the the method by which teams both attack and defend. Okay. And, yeah. and we basically hardly mm. allow any shots but still managed to concede. You know, we're, we're so mm. possession-heavy that teams barely have the ball, but then they only need to go forward one or two times and they get a goal, and that's that's what we have to stamp out. I mean, yeah, like you said, we're just so easy to score against. We're not getting, we're not getting torn apart, but teams can no. just score from one or two chances against it. No, this, this is the weird thing that even in the even the West Brom game, other than the, the collapse in the second half, I was like, I don't think it was shot after shot after shot after shot. Yeah, it wasn't like we were sort of. I mean, yeah, they pressed us and stuff like that. But I think what sort of if you want to paint a really nice picture, I suppose the stats are all leading towards us. We can, you know, we are going to get better, and we're in a bit of an anomaly where we are in the league in terms of chances we're conceding and chances we're creating. Um, I think a lot of that, as you said, is to do with the possession because we are, I think, we're the biggest possession in the league. I think highest in the yeah, table, just um, behind Swansea. I think, yeah, is it just yeah? Um, so I think possibly that is a lot of it. But as you say, the chances teams are creating are really good ones. That's the problem, I think. That they, as I said, they don't seem to have to work. I look at the Bournemouth. Whatever you think of the penalty decision, he's clean through pretty much there, Solanke. He's poor defending again, and then the second one, it's just a nothing sort of cross, and you know it. It, it we just seem to be. I, I still think we've possibly got this losers mentality of, oh no, we've conceded a goal, another one's going to come. You know that sort of panic stations. I still don't think we've got that out of the team. Yeah, potentially not. Um, that's. What losing forty games in a row essentially? Yeah, do, I suppose. you know, in hindsight, I talked to someone on online, and I was saying, you know, I think that the plan was to keep this core together. Obviously, I think we all agree now that we probably should have or, or, or hope to have got rid of more players than we have and sort of start again. I think the better players that we've got this season are players who are new, whether that's in Jay or Gibbs White. You know, obviously coming from different avenues, but. This team who have been losing every week in the Premier League, it's got to mentally scar him. It has to. And I think it's probably better for a lot of these players if they move on somewhere else as well. Yeah, may well be. Um, so, I mean, I mentioned the defence is weak. I think 
there, going the other way, there is lots to be encouraged about considering we only scored one goal in our first five games. Mm-hmm. So it's 14 in our last six. And, you yeah. know, overall, you're taking all 11 games, we're now in the top half for goals per game. So that's trending in the right direction. Uh, I mentioned we're top five for shots overall. We're top 10 for open play XG and open play goals and top 10 for big chances created as well. So we've turned a massive corner there. And as, as I said multiple times, that was my major red flag for where the season was going after five games. It was like, oh my God, why aren't we creating anything yeah. against championship defences? Like, if we'd been missing chances, I'd have been so, I've been frustrated, but okay with it because over the you know the whole season, you you figure that that would sort of regress yeah. to the mean a little bit, and you know some would start bouncing in basically. But yeah, that that does represent um, big progress, I think. And it does, and I think that you, the way you kind of each plays as well, we're, we're going to have to accept that we're not going to be the most solid defensively, even if we're on fire going forward. That Fulham side were that that, that Fulham side were fantastic. We all rave about that Fulham side, the five four. It was five four. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That <laughs> that game. There's a reason behind that because of the the way he plays and he wants his players to get forward. I'm happy. I'm much happier that we're, we're creating chances. That I think the other side of the pitch. Can be worked on, and but I think it might take personnel. I think that's where the the problems arise. I think it might take personnel changes rather than tactical changes. Yeah, and you would hope we're sort of settling a bit there. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to compare the team from the first game of the season to the Bournemouth team in a moment. But um, you know, if you think of all the changes we've been through in the back, well, I guess you could call it. We've played a five at times, but the back four certainly, and the mm. goalkeeper as well. I mean, we've had yeah. three, uh, four goalkeepers play for us so far this season. Multiple left backs, multiple centre backs, and you know it's only really what the last two games, maybe or last three games that Ben Davis has started uh, coming off another injury with Olsen, and then of course we changed at left back as well with Stevens coming in for Norrington Davis. So yeah, I, I think if you just started the season as you were saying after the international break, these last two games would have been seen as a bit of a right. So we need to improve that. It wouldn't be the the crisis is what it's been painted in certain quarters I think I think right. if the season had started with that win against Peterborough and then we'd have lost the last two obviously people would have been kicking off but this you'd have looked at it I think a little bit more reasonably and said right that bit's good that bit's not but it's early days you know what I mean but obviously because of the appalling start as well mm. I think it all adds up to possibly being more negative than we should be I don't know it's really hard not to be I think when you look at the table and yeah. and obviously what came last season as well yeah, definitely. I mean, we there can't have been too many United fans that thought we'd like... I, I don't know if struggle's the right word when you're 14th and we're only, what is it, six points off the playoffs? I've got that here. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Six points, so, you know, a couple of wins off the playoffs. But I think most people probably thought we would be higher up the league than this, don't we? Yeah, yeah, completely. Because, like, like I said, and I keep saying it, and it sounds arrogant almost, but I do think it's a very poor league, and I think you see... It's, it's a mad league, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, you got Coventry losing what were it five 0 to Luton, and then yeah. being Fulham four one three days later. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, and then I think you know West Brom. Uh, sorry, Fulham beat Luton five 0 So whatever it was, something you know, everyone's just bit basically hammering everyone. And this is what I mean, where you can't write off the season in the Championship because you get two or three wins in a row and you're up there. Yeah, absolutely. And we've. Uh... Yeah, we're we're the only ones that I feel like we've had. I don't know whether I've just got a really good handle on what to expect from this team, but I, I don't. 
I haven't had many surprise results yet, and the last two were not a huge surprise to me. So we'll, we'll talk quickly about the Bournemouth game shortly, I guess. But yeah, I think it, it is that your uh, would that be your one word summary of the season so far? Disappointing, disappointing, frustrating as well. I think it's another one because I, I think we're quite close to be honest to being a good side in this league, and by I mean a good side, I mean a top six side. Um, possibly not top two. I think Fulham, Bournemouth. West Brom are better than us, but the rest seems to be a much of a much. I know Coventry are doing well and Stoke are doing well, but yeah, I, I think there's little glimpses there, and that's what's so frustrating because the Bournemouth game, we should have come out of that with three points. Whatever you think of the penalty, and it wasn't the penalty, just see that out for 10 minutes, and you're probably going to win that game. You know, 10 minutes after the goal, yeah, and you're probably going to win that game. Bournemouth start panicking, and you at least get a point out of it anyway. But not only did we throw away the three points, we lost the lost the match and that's the soft underbelly of the side and I think we are weak possibly more mentally than anything else yeah I uh, t- I mean yeah looking specifically at Bournemouth then I mean obviously an, an annoying one to lose but I mean we we went and basically hung with the literal best team in the league which I don't think too many people expected us to do I thought we would have a much more difficult game if you like yeah. and I I don't know, I, I can't be too upset by that. I mean, as you the mentioned... The performance that was fine with, like you say, there's bits to improve. Um, Paul defending at certain times, awful finishing at other times. But as a whole, you, you, we went away to the league leaders and, in my opinion, deserved to win. Yeah, certainly. Uh, certainly point would have been a much fairer result than what happened. And, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, you know, we... Kind of got stiffed by a, a dreadful refereeing decision where um, Solanke gets fouled. Don't a good... start with this because people are trying to rewrite the rule book. I don't know if you've seen all this going up. A lot of Bournemouth. It all stems from Quest because Colin Murray on Quest got the rules wrong. Oh, did he? Um, and said that if the foul carries on into the area, then it's a penalty because it's, it's from where the foul. But that's not true. The the rule is that if he's holding, yeah. that, that that's where it carries. If he's carrying on holding, but it wasn't a hold, it were a foul. So people have taken that and gone on Twitter, Bournemouth fans, and said, oh, you see, it was legitimate. <laughs> uh, it should have been sent off, but it wasn't. So, you know. Yeah, that would, the- that would be impressive if uh, Stevens could could foul, uh, do a slide tackle for like three yards. with. Sol- yeah. What do you do? Like Solanke like, riding him like a, like a horse or something. I think Colin Murray's the best presenter around. I think he's absolutely fantastic, but I think he's just got that one wrong, and obviously people are going to jump on it because it's a established media outlet. Yeah, so Stevens uh, slides in to try and make a tackle on Solanke, gets him, well, it's in the D, and it? it's a good couple of yards outside the box. Uh, Solanke's momentum carries him well into the box. After a long deliberation, the referee gives a penalty. I do wonder if Stevens would have got sent... Well, actually, no... Um... You know, there became this thing of like, oh, Stephen, if it's if it's not a penalty, then Stevens would have been sent off because of the old uh, double jeopardy rule thing. But he didn't yeah. even get booked, I don't think, Stevens, did he? He didn't get booked, which is ridiculous, to be honest, because yeah. it's, it's, it's a poor challenge. But that suggests the referee either thought it wasn't a red card, because um, mm-hmm. otherwise he would have given a penalty and a yellow card. Yeah. Um, or... I don't know, he just forgot to book him or something like that. But anyway, that came, what was that, like three or four minutes after we'd taken the lead? And yeah, that kind of just flipped the game. I think I said to you I'd rather have taken the sending off. I think that would have been better for us. I really do. Mm. I think conceding that quickly after going in from... I mean, and, and the nature of this, the penalty where, obviously, Slav's going mad and we, we'd lost our heads, haven't we, for about 10 minutes. And then, obviously, that's where they got the second goal. I think in, 
if you could have picked a, a, one out of the two, I'd have gone for the sending off, to be honest. But it's easy to say that, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, we we were the, This is the first time that Bournemouth have been behind in a game all season long, which is quite remarkable into their 11th game. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Sharp gets another assist with a, a just another great bit of centre-forward play when it, you know... Yeah. Played on that the shoulder of the last defender, and then he plays a perfect cross to Gibbs White, who uh, that's his fourth of the season, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that that's is his fourth. Yeah. Oh, coming! He got one on his got, debut, one against. Oh, he got one. On, I think he's got two on his debut. I think this is his third. Then yeah, he got yeah. one on his debut. Uh, uh, one against not, Preston and one against Preston, uh, yeah. in this game. Um, yeah. But another good sort of controlled sliding finish from him. Um, as well as Sharp played, he did also miss uh, yeah. a really good chance in the first half at nil-nil. Where I'm going to have to say he's missed a lot of good chances this season, Billy Sharp, by his standards. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, Lloyd Kelly was has been really good for them all season. I had to actually look him up because I was like, has he been there forever? But he... They, I think they signed him when they were, their last season in the Premier League and he was injured. Yeah, Bristol City, I think he played for, didn't I? That's correct, yeah. And he yeah. was... Uh, England under-21 international with them. Mm. Uh, and then Bournemouth signed him and he got injured, basically missed most of the Premier League season. But he's... Yeah. I mean, he has been one of the best defenders in the in the Championship so far this season. But he makes, makes a huge mistake letting the ball run under his foot. And yeah. yeah, I mean, of all the people you'd want in that position, it's sharp. He's got loads of time. Keeper, keeper makes it a little bit difficult for him, but he oh, to put it over the bar is so annoying. Yeah, and yeah could have been um, could have been 1-0. And then talking of missed chances, welcome back, Lise Mousset. No. Who boy. I was so frustrated with her. I, I knew we weren't going to score purely because, I say this, obviously you say this as a fan, but purely because of the way the game had gone and the refereeing decisions, you think it's just that, that this is not going to happen. But even I thought that were in. <laughs> See, I I don't know. I, maybe I'm rewriting my own memories here, but I sort of knew he'd mistimed his jump, like, before he made contact with the ball, you know, because he... I just thought, though, even if it just hits him in his, you know, his groin area, <laughs> it goes in. It's like anywhere else, you know. Oh, so frustrating. Yeah, he is, uh, he's a couple of yards out. All he needs to do is just get a less solid contact on yeah. it and he heads it against the crossbar. It's basically the uh, last action of the game. Would have been a deserved equaliser, obviously, against his former club. It's his first... His first appearance since doing his hamstring in the first game, which seems yeah. a very long time ago. We've got four people out with hamstring injuries this season. Who are the other two? After uh, Joe's Baldock went off with an hamstring in- oh, injury true, in yeah. this game. Um, I can't remember the other two, but I did read this. Berger was one. Berger's obviously one of them. Who's the other one? Not sure. Ender? I can't remember the other one. Is. Reed Davis? Ben Davis? Uh, might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those pesky hamstrings. Do, do more yeah. stretching, please, United. Um... <laughs> McBurney went really close on the rebound from that with a you know an overhead kick that deflects just wide. Really but... frustrated with McBurney because I thought he played well when he came on or caused issues at mm. least. Um, and then you just think because you look at it thinking oh he's got to start the next game, and then he'll start the next game and he'll just go back to the old McBurney. That's what's so oh, annoying about this side. Yeah, uh, but overall, uh, yeah, I can't I can't use the word happy, but slightly impressed by how we played in this game, to be mm. honest. I mean, they are the best team in the league so far. Uh, you know, two points clear uh, after 11 games. They're the only team that haven't lost. They've only conceded eight goals in, in all those games as well. And yeah. As I say, they haven't been behind. 
As you said, we gave them a good game. We probably should have won it. Certainly should have got a point with the Their fans, in fairness, as well, on the view from us saying Sheffield United are going to be up there at the end of the season because they're too good not to, which is easy to say as an opposition that you've just beat. (laughs) But I I can see if you're watching that as a neutral, I don't think you'd be able to tell who's top and who's, you know, trolling at the other end. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, We were obviously not at the game. Do Do you want to just quickly talk about, I don't know if you remember, the free kick that went in that didn't go in? Do you remember this? What was that? <laughs> so it, I thought we'd equalised. It was. Oh, sorry. Yeah, second half. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm so out on our set pieces. Just, <laughs> I'm like almost like, can we just can we just pass it backwards now? Like, why? Are we honestly, even... get to the point with corners. I just think kick it out for a goal kick. Honestly, I mean, obviously we scored <laughs> two against Hull, but I think a lot of that was due to Hull just being bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and also. Uh... Hurrahan was the person taking those two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Taking many sins. Um Yes, yeah, it's, it's free kick. I think it I think it's Norwood strikes it, it hits Ben Davies in the face, then it hits McBurney on the way through. <laughs> I'm not sure that was a deliberate plan from a free kick, but um, it bounces uh you know, the keeper's completely wrong footed because the ball essentially does a it, it's know, in. Yeah, I thought it was in. It bounces into the net from behind, but uh Obviously, had gone quite comfortably wide, but what a free kick routine! Just smash it straight into Ben Davis's face from why not twelve you yards know what I mean? away. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> oh dear me! But uh, yeah, so as, as down as I still am on all our set pieces, overall quite encouraged by that. More encouraged than the Borough game, which again I, you know, was kind of like, well, sometimes you lose these games and bizarre, bizarre like the last two games we've lost. I don't think it's actually been anywhere near as doom and gloom as it possibly could have been. It's not good enough. You've lost two games in a row, and that's the the be-all and end-all. But, you know, I've seen people say, oh, it's atrocious and stuff. I don't think it is. It's so, so fine margins. And I know we said all this last season, and it's a, a horrible thing to say. People are sick of hearing it. But it is, you know, on another you know, another couple of games, you're coming out with that with four points, yeah. those two games. And they not to keep banging this drum but the big difference with last season is we are creating chances I know we're obviously mm. we're a league below but um, yeah the, you know the fine margins last season were because teams barely had to try once they got the first goal against yeah. us whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think the last five or six games have kind of put down a, a bit of a marker of you know you will need more than one goal to beat us most of the time mm. because we have got goals in this team now mm. so yeah frustrating but um, you know that's that is the hardest team to play so far we've played the top two now um and we certainly did a hell of a lot better against uh Bournemouth than we did against West Brom thankfully yeah. so um yeah. yeah fingers crossed that that will keep building over uh over the next few weeks when we get back from the international break with two straight home games I believe two home games in yeah the- Stoke and Millwall who were both doing really well actually I'm just looking at the form Jeez. table now we're, we're actually six in the form table which Maybe paints a different picture to what we've been talking about, but Stoke have uh, out of the last six, one three, drawn two, lost one. Obviously beat West Brom last week, and Millwall have lost in the last six. Stoke, were very, uh, that's the only time I've seen Stoke this season. But I watched that game against West Brom; they were very good. Like they, it was, it would have been a travesty if West Brom had got got away with a point. Yeah, out of that one. I only saw the last fifteen minutes, but everyone was saying exactly the same commentary team and everything like that. So yeah, that's going to be really, really tough. That. More so than, I mean, I know we said a lot of Bournemouth will show us where we actually are. I think Bournemouth are better than us and they will finish above us this season. Stoke is possibly an even better indication of where we are, really, because I think they look like a team who are going to be challenging for the playoffs, not top two, mm. but playoffs. Yeah. 
So, yeah, we, we did say that, didn't we? It's a big week that will tell us a lot about where our season's going. Uh, we come up with two defeats. We don't particularly play badly in either game. We don't... I mean, I, I guess that, that billing goal was a little bit soft, but not as soft as some of the other ones we were conceding no. before this. So, yeah, I think mid-table is about right for us at the moment. I don't, I don't feel like... Um, I don't feel like we're lucky to be that high up, and I don't feel like we're, you know, we should be particularly higher either. You know, even no, I think I think I'd realistically, I think if you're asking me now where we're going to finish, I'd probably say about twelve, based on what I've seen. But it can get better. I think it will get better. I'm I'm confident that we'll be, uh, you know, closer to the playoffs than we are. Play a bit of dream now. (laughs) 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 Very good. Uh, Well, just before we hit a break, actually, I just want to. As a kind of mark of progress, I suppose. Just look at the team from the. Um, I'm going to make use of my multiple monitors here to do a side by side comparison of the the evolution of this team. I suppose so. This I'm going to compare the team that we started the season against Birmingham with to the one that played against um, Bournemouth on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Ramsdale, obviously the goalkeeper against Bournemouth, uh, Birmingham, is gone and been replaced by Olsen, which is probably a. Probably close to a like for like, although Arsenal fans will probably tell you otherwise now. Yeah, and to be honest, Olsen's done a few dodgy things, but I'm still going to give him, you know, he's only been four games or whatever. But I think he's another one who's getting used to the playing out from the back. I think most of his mistakes have come with the ball. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and he, he did another uh, almost suicidal pass in yeah, the fourth game, yeah. didn't he? Which was uh, probably their best chance of the game up to the, um, up to the penalty. Um, Egan and Baldock in both of those teams... Jack Robinson started at centre-half against uh, Birmingham and has been replaced by Ben Davis against Bournemouth, so that's a big upgrade. Ben Osborne was playing left-back against Birmingham mm. and was really, really bad. And yeah. I don't know if Ender Stevens has particularly performed better in the last couple of games. But... I thought Stevens had a decent first half, as he did against Stoke, and as he did against Stoke, had a really poor second half. Yeah, Um this team against Bournemouth is pretty wild, actually. Uh, Birmingham, when you look back at it. Mm-hmm. Berger, I think, should be playing. Um, yeah. He played against um, Birmingham. John Fleck played on the right of midfield, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. So that obviously doesn't happen anymore. Norwood is another one. McGoldrick also started that game. And up front, it was Ollie Burke and Lise Mousset. Oh. Wow. Compare and contrast. I mean, just like, just go with the front. Well, I guess we play. What did we play? Like a four-three-one-two against Birmingham? I think yeah, we did, yeah, we? yeah, something like that. Yeah. So you compare that attack of McGoldrick, Burke, and Moose to what has basically started the last four games. You know, injury permitting, I guess. Um, Osborne and Jai Gibbs White behind Sharp. I mean, that is night and day, really, isn't it? How much- it is, yeah. And I, I would, I, you know, McGoldrick and Moose hopefully still got something to offer in that mm. team. But as a, you know. NJ and Gibbs White are obviously a, an upgrade on on those two from what we've seen this season, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So, from that Birmingham team, there are three players. Excuse me, four players are uh, still starting in the same positions. Osborne mm. is a, is a fifth, but he is now moved to attacking midfield. Yeah, and, yeah, and Fleck yeah. was playing on the right of a midfield three, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. three and a half really in terms of you know. Players who've stayed in the same position, and this is obviously the the theory of pre and post international break, if you know what mm. I mean. Sort of, um, it is a different side, and if you take just the results from the international break, it's not actually like I said, we're six in the form table, which would have been six in the league after the international break, um, and you can't say that because obviously we have thrown games away. But just judging it purely from a 
uh, a narrative, if, if you like, like with a new team, then we're sixth in the league with this new team. Yeah, it's uh, it do, it does feel like it's getting there. I guess it's it's kind of hard sometimes hard to feel that way when you've just lost two games in a week. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm encouraged. Um, which is odd because I thought we'd be really, really good when the season started, and then yeah. after five games, I was like, "Oh no, this could go terribly." Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm now much more confident that it's not going to go terribly. And you know, I think I said this at this right close to the start of this episode. I was like, "Football's supposed to be fun, you know. You're supposed to enjoy it." And I feel like I'm going to enjoy watching this team this season. Mm. I'm going to be frustrated mm. as well. I think they are yeah, being consistent. It's be really, I reckon for sort of 89 minutes of most games, you're going to be like. We can create something here. Something's going to happen, yeah. and then for that minute, it's going to be soul destroying. <laughs> throw something away, like nah. Yeah, beautifully put. All right, let's hit a quick ad break, and then we'll be back to talk stock up and stock down among the squad. Hi everyone, and thanks for listening to this episode of Blades Pod. Just a quick break to tell you about NordVPN, a service that I use to stay safe. Online Now, NordVPN encrypts my traffic on both web and mobile, which means I never have to worry about unsecure websites or apps or unsecure public Wi-Fi networks if I'm, for example, working on the move or just keeping up with what's going on on Blade's Twitter while I'm out and about. It also makes it super easy for me to switch my virtual location. It takes just a single click, which gives me access to overseas streaming platforms that are not available in the UK, such as Netflix Overseas, Hulu, HBO documentaries, and lots, lots more indeed. NordVPN is both fast and secure. You don't sacrifice any internet speed with your security. It also costs the equivalent price of just one cup of coffee every month, for which you get premium cybersecurity. They also have a special offer for Blades Pod listeners, which is you. So you just have to go to nordvpn.com slash bladespod or use the code bladespod when you sign up and you will get 73%, that's right, 73% off your two-year plan, plus four bonus months absolutely free. It is a limited time offer, so don't wait around. Head over head over to nordvpn.com slash bladespod today and get your big discount on NordVPN. Thanks very much for listening. Now back to the podcast. And we're back. And uh, yeah, I <laughs> should, should apologize for last week where... Uh, a small editing error or oversight where I uh, forgot to edit out the bit of me, you know, clearing my throat and asking you if you're ready. But I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I, I heard it back and I thought I could change this, but it sounds okay in terms of like, as somebody tweeted us, you know, it wasn't like we farted into the microphone or anything no, like that. Not um, that normal. <laughs> yeah, I know. We managed to cut that bit out. So you just got me <laughs> clearing my throat instead. So. Apologies for that. It was it was a long week. I had an I made an oversight, and uh, in the end, I was too tired to change it because I thought it could be worse. To be honest, yeah, so there we go. Yeah. Slight slight moment of professionalism, but anyway, <laughs> hopefully by if you're hearing this, I've hopefully edited it correctly, and we can get on with the rest of this episode where we're going to talk about players whose stock have gone up and players whose stock has gone down. So this is a not who has been the best and worst players so far, but it is which players have kind of moved the needle of opinion from yourself and I mm-hmm. over the course of this 11 games. So I guess it takes into account players for whom we had quite a low opinion and players for whom we had quite a high opinion and how yep. that might have shifted, I suppose. Um, should we, I, I don't know, do you want to do, do the stock down players first? 
Let's do um, that. Let's try and finish on a high. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it might be useful when we do this to, I guess, get very quickly say what you expected from each player and, you know, to give a bit of context and, yeah, then, then use well, that to frame. I'll, I'll, I'll set out the people who might, might be expecting to say and why I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to go for Jack Robinson or Ali Bird because I didn't expect anything for him, so I can't say the stock's down. They're pretty much performing exactly as I thought. And I'm going to say the same for Flack and Norwood as well because... I didn't want them in the side from the beginning of the season, so I can't say, oh, they've gone down in my estimation when I didn't want them in. Do you know what I mean? So these players, people might say, what are you talking about? But a lot of the others have sort of gone to my... I don't know if you feel the same. Well, you, you have named two people who are on my oh, stock really? down list. Yeah, because, ah, I of, because I did expect more from them. That's those... fair enough. This is the thing. I mean, if you, I presume you're talking Norwood and Flack. Uh, Robinson and Norwood. Oh, really? Really? Do you see, I didn't expect any more. I think Norwood has been five or six out of ten, which I expected him to be. I think Robinson's been appalling, which I expected him to be. Uh, you see, I with Jack Robinson, I thought he was an average to decent championship defender. Not not straying into good, should be starting for a playoff <laughs> calibre team, but I thought he'd be all right. If you remember at the end of last season in the Premier League, uh, he finished the season really well. Um yeah, you know, five or six really good appearances at the end of the season, enough to make us and quite a few United fans, I think, go. He deserves to be in the squad. You know, don't want him started yeah. particularly, but deserves to be in the squad. Thought he was a at least an average Championship defender. I now think he's anything but. To be honest, um, yeah. his level does not look Championship. Um, he's been woeful. Uh, you know. I don't want to say any more about it because I think we've talked pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. at length. Maybe about I got it. a heads up on him purely from the. I remember getting the view from on him uh, from Forest fans. Also, they were lower mid-table Championship when we signed him, I think. Yeah, and they were saying they were awful. So I wasn't expecting much from him, and then he came and he was poor, and he's still poor. So this is why I've not got him in my uh, stock down list. Right. Well, I think he's been worse than. Mm. I think he's been worse this season than he has at any other point in his Blades career. Um, yeah. And that's not good. So that's why I would say that his stock has gone down. And for me, he's gone from viable backup player to, dear God, please don't let him start for us again. <laughs> yeah. In, in a nutshell. <laughs> um, and just quickly on Norwood, because uh, you've obviously not got him on your list. But I just, I don't know. I think these 11 games have shown us that he's, he's, he's like a plus player when we're playing poor opposition as any... Yeah. I'd rather have him starting against teams like Peterborough and Hull yeah. Yeah. than many of our other midfielders. But I really hope to see a return to being a viable option against decent teams. And I don't think he is. I think he, I think he is detrimental to us in games he against half-decent championship sides. And I kind of purposefully avoided raising this when we're talking about the Bournemouth game. But that one and the um, Borough game as well, it just it just lays it bare. He's, he's just not good enough against teams like that. And I do think he... He gives it away really weakly, you know. Against Bournemouth, you know, he basically yeah. forced Fleck to take a yellow card in the first half. He with... did three or four things in that first half against Bournemouth, where it almost feels like the game's too quick for him against decent sides. He gets the balls like, oh, 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 you know, pass it to them. Yep. Give him time on the ball, he'll he'll pick a pass out. He'll pick the best pass out on the pitch. But if you don't give him any time, or even slightly harassing like you say I, I genuinely don't like saying this because he's given me some great memories I think he's a hindrance to the team rather than anything else that's exactly it and I didn't I didn't expect that I thought I thought at least we would be able to get by against good teams with Norwood and, and the, then your, your trade-off is you know the rest of the stuff that he brings you know his ability to 
you know, fire a 50-yard pass and get started on a counter-attack or mm-hmm. something like that, or, you know, be good at set-pieces as he used to be. Um, but, yeah, I just... I, I, I don't want him starting against good teams. I I, I, no. I wouldn't want him starting against Stoke as it stands, assuming we have, you know, Berger available, for example. No, no, no. I mean, even... I'd, I'd even give Hurhan a game, to be fair. Oh, that's true. I forgot about yeah. him. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's where I stand on those two. Um, so, go on. Give, give me ones who... You actually do have in the in the stock. Down I'll give you category. the two obvious ones. I think they sort of come as a package, and that's McBurney and Brewster. Um, because I went for McBurney to be our top goal scorer this season uh, on the mm. preseason part. I thought this is his division. Not only has he done it with Swansea, he did it with Barnsley as well. The fact he can't even get in the team above thirty-five-year-old Billy Sharp, um, I think, is a real. Yeah, I won't say it's embarrassing, but. He needs to basically have a look at himself and think about that. Like I say, this is supposed to be his level. He's right out of his depth in the Premier League. You're thinking, this is why we spent £20 million on him. As a, at, the, at the least, you expect him to be scoring goals in the Championship. You could argue that he's only started one, two games. Mm. But even in his cameos, I don't think he's done anywhere near enough to say, I deserve a start. Like I said, he played well, I thought, when he came in against Bournemouth. And I'm not writing him off so for the season, but so far he's offered nothing. And I think the same goes with Brewster. Again, another person who's done really well at this league. I think we're all hoping that he were going to step up and become this 20-goal-a-season striker that we needed. And again, another one who cost £23 million, shown very, very little. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't got McBurney on here because I, I sort of see him a little bit treading water, I think, um, rather mm-hmm. than... Uh, having declined massively, like like you, I think I did pick him as um, I don't know if I picked him as top scorer, but I think I had him as like my uh, you know most improved player this season. Like the yeah. player was going to take a big step forward. We haven't seen that, as you said. His minutes have been fairly limited, but that's largely down to his own performances. But he's you know he's chipped in with a couple of assists and generally done okay when he's come on. I don't think he's been good, but. Yeah, I omitted him from my stock down list, but I have got Brewster on here. Yeah, I really thought he'd thrive on us creating more chances. Um, and you know, as it happens, his time on the bench has coincided with us starting to create those chances. Mm. You could say perhaps those two things are linked rather than it being a coincidence. But it's it's kind of shocking how lost he looks at times. And really... we started against Hull, didn't I? Um, all right, it was yeah. on a central forward position, but. I think it's fair to say probably the poorest player for us on that particular day. Uh, I, you know, I can't remember that game that clearly to say definitively, but I do remember thinking he was poor in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, we've played him in some slightly unusual. I mean, he, at no point has he played as a central striker in this new system with Gibbs White and no, uh, and Ajay, no, no. I think. But the reason is on that is because he hasn't offered as much as uh, as Billy Sharp has in in the no. other games, and you know, he's Whenever he's sort of had a cameo, he's not really done that much. There's a few flashes, but he's the one that I'm really quite worried about, to be honest. I think oh, yeah. I think just looking at my list, I think out of all these players, he's he'd be the player whose stock has dropped the most. Yeah, I mean, out of all the, the strikers that we've got, I've put McBurney in there, and I think I'm more disappointed with McBurney in the sense that I know he can do it. I've seen him against us do it at, mm. at this level. But Bruce, you, you get to the point where you get the feeling that was this lad? Was he just a really good young kid who is not actually going to really translate to men's football in the way that we wanted? Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope in you know Christmas or whatever we do this next, the next international break, whatever it is, yeah. we're saying, oh, I'll, I'll go Z, come on. But at this moment in time, I think he's probably fifth choice striker. It's a legitimate question, isn't it? Of uh, you know, 
yeah, what 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 is this guy's ceiling now? Whereas we yeah. thought he was like a real, you know, I'm slightly surprised he's still in England England under twenty one so to be honest. I can only um, imagine that's because he's from the youth. He's, yeah, he's gone through the, the youth system. ranks. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he, you know, when I have watched him at under twenty one, he's, he's actually he's done all right to be fair. Um, but yeah, he probably needs a move. I mean, he might just be wearing his shoulders. I'm not saying he's never going to be a professional footballer, but at this, you know, you're looking at, it at the moment. If this were one of our young lads, for instance, coming through, who we'd sent on loan to Swansea and they got twelve goals and they started like this, we'd be saying, get him out on loan again. Yeah. I know. What a bizarre situation. Is. Is, is he... only, the only reason he's still here, in my opinion, is because with the money we've paid him and we're, we're obviously trying to make something of him. Because realistically, for us, he's not showed as much as even Jebison, who's obviously on loan. Yeah, scored a, a delightful goal the other he night, did. didn't he, old Jebo? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's an odd it's an odd situation for Brewster because, as you, I think you very correctly said, he is probably our fifth-choice striker now. Like, And, and you know, so who, who are you putting above him? Are you putting McGoldrick, McBurney, McBurney uh, obviously Sharp. Dids. Sharp and Moose. Yeah, I think you're right. I'd rather see Moose on the pitch than, than Bruce. Yeah, which is at least Moose has got that asset of pace. You know, if he if he can be bothered, he will cause a few issues purely with his pace. I'm not really sure what Bruce would offer. Yeah, uh, and that's a problem because how is he going to get better and you know improve the uh, I don't know the awareness anticipation side of his game. You know the 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 nous that Sharp possesses, for example, how is he going to improve that? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, by the way, I think his attitude's been fantastic. See, yeah. I think it'd be really easy to say, oh, this kid's come from Liverpool, he thinks he's made it. He's, I don't think he's like that at all. I think he he, he definitely tries hard. You know, he, he, he even puts tackles in and all sorts, and mm-hmm. I think he's desperate to get that goal, but it's just not happened. Yeah, but that's uh, it's a difficult situation because he's... He doesn't deserve minutes, he's not going to get minutes, but he needs no. minutes. But we... We need more from him for him to deserve those minutes. And yeah, yeah it's, oh, as you say, if you know, if if this was our own player that we'd you know developed, we we would be clamouring to get him out on loan and get him some football because he's, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I, his best hope, it, it, bizarrely, is if maybe if, if yeah, if Gibbs White goes back or Injay gets an injury, I think that's probably his best chance of getting in the team because I can't see him getting as a central striker. Yeah, and we, we definitely don't want those situations to no. arise. But, you know, hopefully football's a strange a strange sport in it. You know, he might get one goal off the bench and then that gives him a, a start in, in rotation the following week or something and suddenly he's on fire. But we, I just haven't seen any evidence that that's going to happen yet. And uh, I, th- I really thought I would, to be honest, mm. after 11 games, which... Obviously, he's not played in all of them, and he's played in some uh, slightly unusual positions, I suppose. But uh, yeah, big big stock down for me. Um, yeah. Did you have anyone else who you feel has really nosedived? I've got three. I've got two controver- very controversial ones here, but I'm going to go for the one that's probably not. Norrington Davis has disappointed me slightly. I didn't think you were ever going to be a top top championship left back based on the just purely on the views that I got from other teams they said he's decent mm. I think he's actually been lower half championship I expected upper half championship yeah it's, it's been, I, I gave him a pass I, yeah, I, I mean again, this is you know, subjective you, my opinion of him was not I didn't I didn't actually think he would be starting for as you know as no. quickly as like what was it the third game or something like that mm. fourth game um, yeah he's, he's been okay in my mind but do you want my two controversial ones please do I've got Egan and Baldock. Mm, go on. I, I think Egan should be far more dominant at this level than he is. We've seen him do dominant displays in the Premier League. 
I think he's been okay this season. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's had a terrible season or anything like that. But he were arguably one of the people last season who could you sort of give a pass to. He wasn't fantastic. He made mistakes, but he, you know, he wasn't a major fault uh, for what happened or anything like that. And I just think he's been average. And I, I want more from him. I know he's better than that. I've seen him even play better for Ireland and stuff. And I don't mm. think he's been that dominant. And I'll give him uh, a pass in the sense that it's a new system and he's got a new partner pretty much all season up until Ben Davis has come in. So I'm, I'm, I'm still confident that he will start putting in better displays. But I don't think he's been the dominant centre-half that we possibly need. Yeah, I suppose when you... When you... You know, take this in the context of this uh, this exercise, if you like this this bit of content. You know, he was a player that uh, I, th- I think quite a few United fans were sort of realistically expecting we might sell in the summer. You know, we might yeah, yeah. he might stay in the Premier League, and uh, yeah, I, I had him on my list, but not as a actual. I feel like his stock has dropped, but you you make a good case to be honest. Well, I think when you look at it like that, as like this guy is probably a Premier League defender. Well, this is the thing. Really when we went like down, as, as you said, when we went down, we were like, right, we could lose Egan, we could lose. He were, were in that group of good players. Mm. I don't think any Premier League clubs going to be looking at him at the moment. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a fair shout. Uh, who was the other one? Sorry, you, Baldock. Who? Baldock, yeah. I didn't expect much going forward because that's him. I, I think it, I, this is recency bias, to be fair. But in the last two games, I think he's really struggled defensively as well, um, and that's what he's there for he's not there to attack because that's not his skill set if he's not putting the defensive side of it as well in terms of he's got caught out a couple of times I think he had a really poor game against Middlesbrough and I thought he got I thought Basham were actually better than him at right back to be honest when he came on um, against Bournemouth uh, yeah I think he is another one who again another one who were subjected apparently to bids £5 million bid from Celtic and another one who I don't think anyone's going to be coming in for if he carries on these set of performances. Yeah, no bids. No bids, yeah. Um, do you, any idea how bad his injury is? I, I, someone said it were an hamstring, so if it's a Moussa-style hamstring, you'll be out for about a season. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, we've obviously got, what are we, another 10 days before that Stoke game, but uh, I suppose the possibility of um, Jaden Bogle starting that one. I wouldn't hate to see, you know. I'd, be, I'd, I'd like to give him a go. Just embrace the chaos. Let's do it. Yeah, like we'll know he'll give us more going forward. And I think, as you as we've mentioned on this, I'd be inter- I, I think defensively, he could be a liability. But I think, as we mentioned on this pod, it does seem that teams give our fullbacks the ball because they know yeah. they're not going to hurt us. I think that wouldn't be the case with Bogle. I completely agree. A uh, couple others. It's a little bit. Um... These are just on my sort of long list, really. Michael Verips has mm. gone from number two to, well, he's, he's played like number two, unfortunately. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, God knows what. I think you said this at the time after that West Brom game when we were saying, like, what do we do for the next game? That that's hard to recover from. <laughs> you know, you play one game, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, drop yeah. clanger after clanger, and then you're out and you're not coming back. Yeah, his. I do think his stock has gone down a long way. It's just it wasn't very high to begin with. I don't think. Um, Ollie Burke, when you consider purely financial, I mean, did Forrest pay twelve million for him a couple of years ago? Like, yeah, he's he's, he's still quite young, but was he like twenty three? But I mean, yeah. he's another one where I think I said this before. I just I'd, I'd be okay with him not playing for us again, to be honest. And um, yeah, he he is the sixth choice striker, I guess. Any behind Brewster? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Luke Freeman limited minutes hasn't um, hasn't really grabbed his opportunity. Well, I think he's done, to be honest. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's my stock down. Should we? Let's end the pod on a bright note, mate. We're going to do players whose stock has risen, and perhaps tellingly, this is probably a shorter list. It really is. I've got four players, five at a push. I've got four as well. Uh, so I'm curious to know if we've got the same one. So go ahead. Who do you want to start with? We'll start with the obvious one, I think, for me anyway. And Well, two obvious ones, but uh, NGI, who mm. we knew he was a talent. I didn't think we expected him to come straight into the team and immediately be one of the best players. Yeah, I mean, you say you knew he was a talent, but, I mean, you know, did, did you... How much uh, confidence did you have that he was good enough to play championship football? No, no, no. I thought this season would be a case of him sort of maybe coming off the bench as an impact sub. I think that was the best I could have hoped for him. I didn't think he'd be immediately started and you know being one of the first names on the team sheet as well yeah I think yeah he's he's he's, he's my on my stock up list as well I mean he, he is probably the main the success story of our season so far I think you know a player that we we already had you know he was already under uh under contract with us so we didn't we had to pay for him but we mm. sort of didn't have him either because of this contract dispute and I mean that's astonishing now we you know in hindsight it's like what the hell were we doing? Yeah, <laughs> like, why was this guy not involved at the end of last season? And, you know, obviously at the start of this season as well. I mean, he had a phenomenal debut. He hasn't scored since, but I've been really, really impressed with yeah, him. Yeah, I've I mean, seen a couple of people knock him in the in the, in the the last two games. Someone said, oh, he's been... I, I, I thought he were our best player easily against Middlesbrough, personally. Yep. And even against Bournemouth, where he didn't have a lot of the ball in terms of an attacking sense, when he did, you feel like something's going to happen. And as I've said before on here, you've got to give... These sort of players, the the creative sort of players, you've got to accept that it's not always going to come off for him. But we need them in the team. We had we were desperately crying out for someone like him and Morgan Gibbs White. We got Morgan Gibbs White. We didn't think it was going to be enough. It might still not be. But this guy's almost like a new signing. And I think, yeah, he's been he's been better than I could have ever expected. Yeah, I think you know after five maybe six games, you look down our team and be like, oh dear. Really, he, he's starting again. Like you know, if we not get anyone better, whereas with Njai, it's like uh, he is an immediate starter. You know, he is he is clearly one of our better players at this point. Um, and and I hope he starts every game for the rest of the season, like until you know, unless his form completely drops off a cliff. But yeah, he looks like he belongs. He he's yet to play ninety minutes yet, but he is. I'll look this up. He's averaging seventy-five minutes per start, so it's not like he's miles off. You know, it's not like no, he's... like it's no preseason. You know, from coming yeah. straight from youth team into men's football. I think I, again is another one where he feels like he can only get better. Yeah, he's uh, you know, I, I, by no means looks physically out of his depth, does he? It's just no, in case that's of building the most off. important thing. I think. I think even with Brewster, sometimes you think, mm. well, you know, these guys are a little bit too big for him. I haven't got that from Injai. I don't think he's been barging people around or anything like that, but he, he's he's definitely aggressive, I think. Yeah, he's got a you know, good balance, good sort of low centre of gravity when he you know, we a bit like what Berger does where he's, if he sort of gets his shoulder past the defender almost, you you have to foul him. Like you can't yeah, you yeah. can't get it back off him. Um yeah, I I really am trying to sort of mentally tap the brakes on my uh hype, I suppose, for him, but yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've seen a player that exciting come through, I think, mm-hmm. for us. I know Brooks is the obvious one, but I think you could... So I'm not, I'm not going to say that Njai is better than Brooks, but I feel like he has... Ah, oh, this is kind of hard to describe. I feel like with Brooks, it was more obvious to see 
a weakness, like a physical weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's um, yeah. And I don't feel that with Njai. His ceiling is probably just not as high as Brooks uh, was and will be, I suppose. But yeah, he's. I've been really impressed with him uh, from you know completely out in the wilderness to uh, you know guaranteed starter. Pretty much, his stock could not have gone up much more. I don't think. No. Who, uh, who else is on your list? Ben Osborne. Mm-hmm. Yep, same. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah, I think I'm expected to be a squad player. I think I've always said he's the best first reserve around, <laughs> uh, which sounds like a back of compliment. But I just mean that, you know, you know what you're going to get from him. I expected him to be more of a wing back or maybe even a full back or even a central midfielder. But he's actually done really well, I think, in the attacking midfield sort of role or whatever it is that he's played. I didn't expect him to be so successful there. And I think in the last two games, he's had a, a genuine shout to be the best player for us. Yeah. That's, uh, you, you've pretty much nailed exactly what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's he's moved from a, a rotation option at, at multiple positions to possibly a regular starter at attacking midfield and yeah. did not expect that. We hadn't particularly had evidence of that being a, a possibility, I guess, prior to he this season. He played at the end of last season behind like a, you know, he was sort mm, of the, the, the Mark Duffy sort of role. as yeah, yeah. All day. But... Yeah, he's he's a far better player than I give him credit for. I think I mentioned him. I think I compared him to Monte last season or the season before at some point, which were way off. You know, yeah. now it, it really reminds me of Stephen Quinn, which again, I think Stephen Quinn was a battler and stuff like that. But he did have skill and he could score goals. And I think Osborne, he's got two this season, obviously in the same game. But you know, a bit of better decision making. He could have had three or four. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with him the last. Since that move to attacking midfield, certainly mm. in this in this new system, yeah, um, and yeah, right now I don't see, I don't see who else should start ahead of him there. To be honest, no. And do you know what? If we're going to mess about with the midfield and Urahan doesn't provide or Algeria man, um, <laughs> I'd even I'd even be tempted to put Osborne in a, in a central midfield role because the other two are so weak anyway, Fleck and Norwood. So, so that's what just we're not losing out. Yeah, well, we're not losing out anything physically. You know, they never yeah, win a physical true. challenge. At least with Osborne, he gets up and down, and he's better going forward, and he's better. He's more tenacious. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so there's there's two left because we both got four. I'm almost certain we've got the same one of these. Yeah. <laughs> is your other one Wes Fodringham by any chance? My other one is Wes Fodringham <laughs> because he's gone from number three to number two, and I actually think he's done all right. He has done all right. Yeah, I agree. And he and as you say, he's bounced up to second choice keeper. He made that highlight reel save against Southampton in the cup, which Brilliant. was a, a fantastic save. And it's only one save in a in a game that we ended up going out on penalties on. But yeah, he's done all right. I mean, I really think after the West Brom game and the you know the Verips debacle, like yeah. I think the excuse the pun the bar for our keeper was essentially set at just don't cost us points. Like yeah. that, that became the new. That's the measure of success. Just don't mess it up, basically. And he's not. I don't think he's done that, no. And it's got to the point now where I think if Olsen's injured for a game, I wouldn't be, like before, like, oh, no. You know what I mean? Now I wouldn't be like that. I'd be like, oh, right. I'm not not confident by any stretch of the imagination, but I wouldn't be like, well, that's that's a loss, which I genuinely was feeling after that West Brom game. Yeah. Same. I'd I'd still panic if Olsen got injured for a... uh... And we'd had to we had to run with Fodderingham for like an extended period, but yeah, like like you for the odd game, he's fine because, I mean, I just think back to that Peterborough game where it's like, you know, we we shouldn't need a good goalkeeper to beat Peterborough. The rest of the team should be fine. We just need the goalkeeper to not 
chuck yeah. it in his own goal, basically. And even again, he kept a clean sheet against Luton. Um, and yeah. I know he made a couple of mistakes in that in terms of the pass. I think the, the the problem he's got, I don't think he's the best with the ball at his feet, which is probably why we're number three yeah. rather than number two early doors. But it, I don't think he made any huge errors against Huddersfield that I can remember. He certainly weren't at fault for any of the goals. Really unlucky, in fact, on one of them. So, yeah, I think he's been decent. Yeah, so I agree. Stock up on Wes Fodringham. And then the final one is, uh, I presume, Billy Sharp. It's Billy Sharp because not only did I not think... I think we also we both said we wanted to keep him, but we didn't think he'd be... I think we even said it, it might have even been you who said it, actually, that something's gone wrong if Sharp's starting as like the main striker, and it has it gone wrong. But you can't knock what he's done. I do think he's missed more chances than he'd have liked and he's had a he had an ineffectual game against Middlesbrough but even against Bournemouth where I don't think he was anywhere near his best fantastic for the goal and something that I don't think any other strikers would do and massive credit to him because is he still top of the assist chart? I believe so yeah four yeah. assists brilliant he's not only just like become first choice striker but he's once again people are talking you know like I said do the view from the stuff like that he's, he's a danger man it's probably our player of the season so far. I think him and Gibbs White would win it. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, they're the two, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, they're unquestionably been our best best two players. We're not, I've not included Gibbs White in this because I expected him to be good. Admittedly, I didn't expect Same him in. to be... Yeah. I didn't expect him to be this good, but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought the potential for him to be good was was there. So I've, I've for me, he's... His stock is pretty much what it was when he arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Sharp, I mean, so he has three goals and four assists. And I, I say this as a slight constructive criticism, really. He could easily be sat on six or seven goals by now. I think he should be, and I think he'll think that as well. Should, yeah. Obviously, the penalty against Hull, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the free header against Preston when it were 1-0, uh, where he puts yeah. wide, and then the Bournemouth chances, the, the three that I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think there's... There might have been a couple of others as well. I feel, did he have one against um, uh, against Middlesbrough? That's there were one where he went into the area. I think it would have been a good finish. Too. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to bring this. So I'm going to bring up Sharp's XG now because obviously we say like, oh, he should have this many goals. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, he's on. Uh, so he's on four four and a half expected goals. So he is underperforming yeah. his actual uh, goals tally, but. Yeah, you know, as we said, you know, if he, with a bit more luck or a bit more quality or composure, easily have six or seven goals. And he could probably have a couple more assists as well. Another one, by the way, is the one against Derby, thinking about it. You know when he volleys miles over? Yes, that's the one I was thinking of, yeah, when yeah. he gets in on goal. Yeah, yeah, another a really, really good chance that he missed. Um, yeah, he could have more assists. He can't really control the finishing of his teammates, unfortunately. Yeah. But he's been brilliant. Like, just, like... I don't remember saying that about um, something's gone wrong. It does sound like something I would say, though. So uh, I'm not doubting you. But, um, yeah, he, he's been fantastic. And it, it, there's daylight between him and all our other strikers. I've seen a couple of people criticise him, especially at half-time of the Bournemouth game, get him off his pot, which is always going to be the case with Sharp because he... I think his age goes against him. I think if he were a 25-year-old striker playing like this, no one would be thinking of dropping him. But I think <laughs> there is bias where you think, oh, has it caught up with him? I think his all-round play has been phenomenal on the whole, um, much better than he probably ever has been in his career. And it's just so frustrating that the bit that he's been brilliant at all his career has probably suffered a little bit this season. Just a tiny bit, yeah. I, yeah. I almost wonder... 
I mean, I've been surprised how often he's got in on goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you think back to the the penalty uh, against Hull that came from him being on the shoulder of the last yeah. defender and getting in on goal and being fouled as he was uh, as he was running in. And I mean, he, he he doesn't have a history of doing that with us, does he? Being put no, through no. on goal essentially He's much more of a you know get on the end of a you know a cutback or a cross in the in the box. Um, yeah, he's he's been it. I mean, you say if he was 25 years old, we'd all be panicking about him getting sold in January. Yeah, mate, we really, really would, yeah. Yeah, we really How are we going to do would. without Sharp when we, somebody comes in for him in January? <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm sort of one of them as, as well. You look at it the next game, you think, oh, maybe Matt Bird. Because they're the younger player, they cost more money. You think they've got to show something. But realistically, Billy Sharp's a £20 million striker. You're not really going to put in much complaints, I don't think. You could probably say we're expecting more, better finishes from a £20 million striker, but as his all-round play, I think it'd be a, a plus point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, could uh, could not ask much more from him. Uh, and if he keeps getting those one-on-ones, he's going to stick a few more goals away as well. So, yeah, there we go. It's a, There's a, a hodgepodge of stock up, stock down, really. The Particularly... other one, by the way, was Lapora, Lapora, whatever it's called. <laughs> Purely because I wanted five, because I had five bad ones. And the only thing I'll say, he's suddenly become our defensive saviour, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Get him in. Yeah, Lapata, Lapata. Lapata, I'll get his name right when he yeah. when he actually plays. But um, but yeah, his stock's gone up. I think no one really sort of knew much about him this time last season, and now he's probably the first. I I think most people would have him above Jack Robinson if if there's an injury. Yeah, yeah, you're right. With uh, that's probably more to do with the evidence of Robinson's ability than that's available evidence of uh, very, very Lapata. True, yeah. yeah, but but there you go. All right, mate. Well, that was fun. Uh, I enjoyed. Uh, I think that's a slightly uh, unique way of reviewing how this season's gone so far. Mm-hmm. Um, did I have anything else I wanted to say? Uh, I guess just one sort of quip, I suppose. It's quite, I think it's quite interesting that arguably our two best performers of last season, being uh, Chris Basham and David McGoldrick, have have already been phased out of the team. I mean, McGoldrick is kind of as a result of injury, I suppose. But oh, does McGoldrick start if he's fit? Right I'd like to see him in this new lineup. I don't know how it'd work. I don't know if it'd slow us down. I don't know. Obviously, he's not the most prolific striker. I, I would like to see him because he's obviously a really technically fantastic player. Mm-hmm. The on paper again, the idea of him linking up with Njai and Gibbs White and stuff is quite exciting. But whether he slows our play down and doesn't give us anything like enough of a goal threat, I'm not sure. Well, where does he for you? Where would he come in in that front four of Sharp, Osborne, and Jai and Gibbs White? It sounds ridiculous, but I'd probably say Osborne. Purely because he's, he's, as I said, he's, although I put him on the on the plus list, his final ball and technical quality probably isn't as high as the other three. Yeah, fair enough. But that's... I'm not saying he should start. By the way, I'm just saying if he did start, you know, that's where that's where I probably play him and maybe move uh, NJ out a bit bit wider and play sort of McGoldrick more central. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm just raising it really as like you know he was mm-hmm. obviously well he was our best player without exception. And I thought he's all right against Middlesbrough. I think. He gives us something. And like I say, I would like to see him in this team just to see what happens. Yeah, but he's uh, he's not first choice right now, is he? Uh, you know, I'd say he's lost his place through injury and then the performance of that those other four. Um, and Basham, obviously, as uh, you know, he gets an appearance as an emergency right back essentially, but mm-hmm. but not much else. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because they're obviously two of our older players as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they've been they've been phased out more quickly than I expected. I mean, yeah, McGoldrick's is pretty much down to injury because he did start 
until he got that injury, I think, didn't he? Um, in the first few yeah, games of the season. But yes, yes, there we go. All right, mate. Well, that was uh, enjoyable to look back on. As I said, I'm, I'm in a fairly optimistic place, to be honest. Um, this is a long international break. I think it's because we just had two away games, um, which which puts us makes it like three weeks between home games, doesn't it? But um, yeah, really, I'm proper getting into magic. It's, it's helped my liver because I'm not drinking as much. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it's we've still got a uh, thick end of ten days basically before um, before we're back in action and back at the lane, but we'll get there. Um, what have you got to plug, mate? For finish, um, obviously the view from uh, Bournemouth. But I imagine most people you're going to read it, you've read it, but they're quite complimentary. And um, we've released on the mainly podcast threads today our review on the uh, the light-hearted film if anyone's never seen threads and you're in a difficult place don't see it don't watch it have you ever seen it i haven't no don't i mean i think it's a fantastic film liam disagrees as you'll see on the podcast but it's really 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 depressing set in sheffield but we had a request to do it and i like it and i wanted to cover it so we've covered it and um yeah we we tried to make it as funny as possible anyway i'm gonna say listen to the episode don't watch the film is that your recommendation well if you if you if you're uh, strong enough watch the film (laughs) (laughs) yeah we all we all need some more grief in our lives i suppose don't we to be honest it really did help me through the pandemic i I genuinely mean this because i watched it think about the well, the second time I actually watched it during the pandemic, I thought it could be worse, couldn't it? Because it's like it's such a horrific movie. So, well, speaking, it could be worse. Not to uh, draw a slightly uh, false comparison here, but I wasn't paying attention to uh, any of the other football on Saturday uh, while watching the United game, and then at full time, I thought, "I'll just see how Wednesday got on." Conceded in the last minute, another defeat for them. It could definitely be yeah. worse, mate. I said it to you, they're they're like a teddy bear, aren't they? <laughs> like, when you like you're crying, you've had a bad day. United have lost. Like yeah, but when's your loss? Here's your Teddy. Oh yeah, cheers. <laughs> That's what they remind me of. They just every time you think, oh god, you know, thank God for them because yeah. if they'd have carried on, sort of, you know, being the playoff team that they were for a couple of seasons, and we'd have like gone down, it'd been horrific. But yeah, you can always look. I, I've seen today actually a lot of them want Mike Ashley to take him over. <laughs> So that means it's talk about desperate things aren't that bad just yet. Yeah, like a teddy bear. They should sell like uh, plush, depressed Aussie owl toys for That'd his That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, blades. that was from the from the bouncing day game. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd buy one of those. I think that can uh, that can sit here next to my my other blades memorabilia. Um, well, there we go. Mate. Let's uh, let's wrap up there. Thank you very much for your time. We'll uh, we'll come back next week, I think, and preview the. Um, uh, the Stoke game and yep. anything else that's uh, in the news, I suppose, but particularly with a focus on that and uh, Millwall uh, a few days after that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's everything we've got to say. So thanks, uh, thanks to everyone for listening, uh, and as always, mate, a big thank you for your time and uh, an effort in uh, joining me for this podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers.